Annyeong, welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development Podcast. I am your host, Darren. With me today, I have two guests. First of all, I have uh, returning from season one, Jordan Sam. Annyeong and all. And I also have returning from the season one finale, uh, Amber Stewart. Hello. Hey, brother. And uh, today we are covering uh, episode four of season three, Not a Pussy. It was first broadcast on the 7th of November, 2005. It was written by Ron Wiener and directed by Lev Spiro. This is only one of two episodes that uh, Ron Wiener writes. He he also wrote for Futurama and 30 Rock and The Weird Al Show and News Radio and he currently is on staff at Silicon Valley. I'm going to give you the summary, and it goes as follows. Michael enters a father-son triathlon with Steve Holt. Maybe dons a disguise to compete in an inner beauty pageant while her parents coach other entrants. Uh, George Sr. speaks to at-risk youths, and Buster tries to recruit one to replace him in the army. And I think a lot of the episode is based around the kind of beauty pageant. The fact that Tobias chooses to coach Anne... And, uh, and such weird hope, <laughs> yeah. And hope Loblaw gets uh, recruited into it by Lindsay, neither of whom choose the daughter that they have, who decides yeah. to basically just <laughs> go along by herself in disguise. That's kind of like a big portion of the episode. Also, of course, you know Michael and Steve Holt um, competing. Uh, and this is probably the first Steve time Holt. that Steve Holt, since his first appearance when he yelled Beatrice, when he found out about getting reassigned <laughs> in the play. This is the first time that he started yelling stuff other than Steve Holt, I think. Uh, because he says he says at one point, Uncle Mike, and then he says, let's win this. And then, of course, he says, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> I, I like as a, a chant. I love that because it's that joke where, like, you know, they try to say the same thing. And then they say yeah. separate things once, and then they go to say it again, <laughs> saying the opposite things. So they still don't get on oh, yeah. the same page. <laughs> yeah. Buster has been in the army now for a couple of years, and he had a medal ceremony, which he thought was for, I don't know, bravery or something. It turns out it was just to force him to re-enlist, basically. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to find someone to replace him. Apparently there was a storyline that was going to be in this episode where uh, Lucille and Buster tried to recruit a family member, like a, like someone else who wasn't, uh, not a family member, sorry, a family friend, to t- to take Buster's place. Uh, and evidently they kind of uh, they dropped that storyline before they got to the episode. Do they have any family friends? Uh, I mean, other than... Um, uh, Lucille too. I don't think so. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. There was what's his name? The the Martin Short guy that he played. Oh yeah, uh, he'd be great. In the yeah, army. Uncle Jack. Yeah, they yeah. Could have so... tried. Yeah, I, I understand why they dropped it because it would have just meant introducing even more characters, and they already have like <laughs> Hope, Hope and Bob Loblaw, and you have uh, Reverend Bob Patterson, and you've got of course Larry Middleman and Uncle Trevor and. <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many there's so many characters already in here you know that i think to add one more would have just made the episode too busy yeah and do you want uncle jack on the front line screaming shoot me i guess he'll be taking one for the bullet um so <laughs> let's let's start at the beginning of the episode where michael sees as the narrator says when he saw something he had never seen before lunch his twin sister. <laughs> now, as in the first episode of the season, Michael seems to be trying to wake up really early to avoid his family, and they seem <laughs> to be waking up even earlier to kind of combat against that for some reason. Um, and obviously we find out that Lindsay now works for Bob Loblaw. I like how Michael says, what is he thinking? I mean, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> she owes him money, so he knows he's not going to get it through through the family. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I like the kind of competitiveness that Lindsay has with uh, Hope Loblaw, where, you know, we see Hope saying that she got her horse to canter, and Lindsay's like, I've always wanted to make love on a horse. <laughs> but why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would just be uncomfortable. Uh, and of course, Hope is talking about how, you know, she's going to be working without a lunge line, and Lindsay just says, That's so funny because I can put my leg behind my head. It's just 
<laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like, I, it's funny because Bob Loblaw, you know, for the first few episodes, he seemed oblivious to what Lindsay was doing, and now he doesn't. He like he doesn't seem to quite care. It's just yeah. it's just an odd relationship that kind of sort of never goes anywhere. And then of course, you know, when we get back to the kitchen, Lindsay's like, "Come on, I'm the nanny." You know, usually that's that's uh, <laughs> that's Job's uh, catchphrase. And, and of, of course, Michael here says, "Who wouldn't want to snog the nanny?" Uh, and this. At this point, the narrator lets us know that Michael has fallen bum over noggin for a beautiful <laughs> English woman called Rita. Uh, I find I find it funny as well that Jason Bateman he kind of emphasizes the whole "did I say snog again?" and then he just goes "oh bloody hell" in like a kind of <laughs> weird accent. I don't know what he's attempting. Doesn't sound very much like British to me, but you know, yeah, I I find this that is what it... teenage Amber thought was British. Like, oh, I'll just throw this into conversation. No one will notice. I grew up in Northeast Ohio. People notice. <laughs> well, I think it's funny because the whole thing about Britishisms actually lends itself to the title of the story. Um, and also, you know, some some censoring that goes on within this episode. Uh, at the very end, kind of comes up in a very funny moment that the narrator kind of uh, comments on. First of all, we get Rita, who is at the train station, and I don't know this train station to me looks like a, a, like a tiny like train station set. Like it doesn't look like a real train station. It always confused me See, I when was, I saw I was it. Thinking maybe it's like. I was wondering if maybe it was like one of those children's train like thing <gasps> dealios but yeah. but they never paid off with that joke because I mean oh that would have been so good like you know another like little hint at uh, later on episodes about about Rita I I love as well Michael arrives at the train station um you know Uncle Trevor has given uh, Rita some instructions <laughs> given what we find out later on about Rita I don't know what those instructions could be <laughs> uh, it's funny how she kind of holds them close to her mouth and already starts chewing on them <laughs> and nibbles off. yeah nibbles like a corner and then of course you know uh, the suggestion is meant to be that there are you know some kind of spy instructions in there and it's worth pointing out you know the hat that uh, is being worn here by uh, Charlie's Theron which has a number of like little buttons kind of randomly sewed on I think they don't seem to have like a any kind of pattern and I mentioned this in other episodes but I think it's worth bringing up here because she has a couple of really good hats in this episode but uh, the Fox executive said to Mitch Hurwitz don't put Charlie's Theron in a hat because we don't think people will recognize her because obviously she had most re- she'd won an Oscar <laughs> uh, and, and as ridiculous as that request is Mitch Hurwitz said well okay um, just put her in tons of hats just keep swapping out the hats <laughs> Basically because he was told not to put her in a hat, she that becomes like one of her character traits is she just wears all these hats all the time. Do executives operate on some sort of like Superman Clark Kent theory? Like, <laughs> oh no, know. don't put the actors in disguises. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand the logic, but then I like the fact that Mitch Hurwitz kind of spited them anyway. Though it might explain why this season got cancelled. Um you know, just so if that's We warned you about those hats. And of course, as Michael arrives, um Rita um, eats the instructions very quickly, <laughs> and of course Michael is there, and he's he's kind of like he's trying to ask her how long she's going to be gone for, and um, he kind of has a conversation with himself while Rita is eating the paper, and then of course she just <laughs> she just says, "Why are you breathing like that?" And of course, you know, um, he ends up being very out of breath, and I like when he goes, "I was out for my daily." Do you run at all? <laughs> it's like he can't even finish the word run. And I love when he, yeah, he says this in a full suit. Yes, yeah. Oh <laughs> like, oh, I always run in my suit before before I go to work. Yeah, some of us just real fancy. And I like when Rita says she won a silver medal at the Olympics. Michael goes... And a silver medal, yes, and you came in second. As though, <laughs> That's what it means. As though no one understands. Um, and this is where we get the storyline where... Uh, you know, Rita uh, says that Michael is such a pussy, but he, it gets bleeped out. Um, and uh, there is this weird thing where the show tries to say that, um, you know, there's a British sense of the word uh, where it means sweet or gentle, as in pussycat. But quite frankly, there is no real difference. Um, it is, yeah. It's kind of the same in both languages. Um, you know... It, it, so I don't, I, I mean, I get that they're doing it mostly for a joke, but it's just, 
It's so odd that this is this is the the kind of choice they make. They really go all out for the joke too, with the film clip oh, and yeah. everything. Yes, and of course we we get here an insert from a thoroughly polite duster. Nineteen forty one, which I didn't know that was Tony Hale. Yeah, Tony Hale with a, a kind of chin thing going on, like a, yeah. a massive chin implant, and yeah. It's uh, hard to recognize him. What's the female actress's name? Is uh, Bronwyn, Bronwyn Masters plays yeah. Adelaide, and later on, when Buster goes into a light to no coma, uh, yeah. she will be. She will also play his nurse. It's also <laughs> named Adelaide or Julia Adelaide, I think. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene in the penultimate episode of of this series where um, they recreate the site here, the the kind of the the little dialogue here. Where um, <laughs> where Reggie and Adelaide are talking, and Reggie says the Jerry's aren't so bad, which um, I I don't think that anyone would have thought that the Russia the Russia the sorry the German army was like just a bunch of people who have been led by a rotten apple. That's such a weird characterization of the you know the SS and Hitler. Um, so <laughs> I don't it's know just how polite they were. Yes, I guess. Thoroughly polite, you know. You don't want to assume the worst of the people <laughs> trying to murder you. Uh, and of course, uh, this is where we get the uncensored version of "You're such a pussy." And of course, Reggie says, "When I miss your lips, I'll put a fag in my mouth and think of you." <laughs> and they they bleep him out um, <laughs> on that particular thing. And of course, the narrator says that also had a different meaning over there. <laughs> Uh, and they've they've actually bleeped Uncle Trevor a few times um, before this episode and after this episode when he says fags. It's it's quite interesting that they kind of choose to play this game of because obviously up until this point they've bleeped out a lot of swearing anyway. So to kind of add this layer of bleeping out words that have different meanings and that might be considered swearing in other languages. I think is quite an interesting approach. But obviously, it's just one more kind of layer of the jokes that Arrested Development likes to do anyway. <laughs> uh, and of of course, once Michael gets back home, he decides that he's going to <laughs> attempt to get his son <laughs> to take part in some um, kind of activities. And the narrator says, Michael and his son had never been a very successful athletic team. In fact, the only thing George Michael really liked was hanging motionless from the monkey bars. <laughs> uh, which I just, I just love the kind of young George Michael just hanging there smiling and being really happy and just not doing anything. And Michael standing by him looking a little bit disappointed that this is the only activity that they can do. Oh, I had a quick question for Jordan. When you were in, like, elementary school, do you remember having to do, like, the presidential fitness tests? Yes. Well, various various times, actually, because I remember there was parts and parcels, and I definitely remember doing it once, like, fully, and... I was never an athletic child, so that was just, <laughs> oh god no. That was just so so much problem. Yeah, I was I was a full on George Michael, just sort of hanging motionless <laughs> from various chin up bars, and I didn't. Yeah, and we had like no body weight. We were just little small children. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine doing this now. <laughs> Does, is the president that concerned about the fitness of like kids? Like, well, I mean, they tr- they tried. They tried to make it an interest, yeah. you know. I mean, especially yeah, especially you know. now with like how you know obesity, diabetes is like kind of a, a concern sometimes, and depending on who's talking about it, you know, like <laughs> I don't you know. think that hanging on monkey bars really helps George Michael's no! coordination. You no, know, that's <laughs> no, the thing. not in this case. But... Yeah, I think you're supposed to move on. Them. <laughs> yeah. Is my understanding. <laughs> uh, I think it's funny as well that, of course, you know, George Michael as a child has this reflex of just kind of um, turning away from anything that gets thrown at him. And <laughs> we see enough. here that we see that, that, that Michael makes uh, a protein drink and he throws it at George Michael and he kind of cowers and it, it bounces off his back. And I like that Michael goes, still doing that, huh? And, you know, this is where George Michael reveals that he's going to go fabric shopping with Anne today. And I like when Michael goes, I think we can go butcher. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I I love as well, of course, we get Michael once again coming up with a a new name for Anne when um, he's trying to remember who Anne is. And I like how George Michael goes, you've met her so many times. You've met her and met her. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I know who Annabelle is. Who's the Anne in the beauty pageant? (laughs) 
And he goes, her name isn't Annabelle, it's Anne. And he's like, oh, I know her name's not Annabelle, but that's how I remember her. Because her body's kind of like shaped like a... She's the belle of the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like rewatching this episode, really, it drove home something that season four kind of brings to the forefront, which is that Michael isn't really better than any of his family members. We just think he is because he's like the protagonist of that series. Yeah. But he's just as mean as the rest of them. And especially here where he says, is she running the lights or something? Um, <laughs> and of course, once we, once we get to the point where George Michael says it's an inner beauty pageant, then Michael goes, ah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And of course, we find out from maybe when she enters, we get some detail here about the fact that the state had run out of money and it's actually going to be funded by the church. Uh, so it's so the church and state Yeah, no, no separation there between church and state. Um, and of course, maybe details the, the, you know, there is no such thing as an inner beauty pageant. They're just going to go and pick the chick with the best TNA. Uh, and of course, we see maybe in, in like the second or third episode, we saw... Uh, her rebelling against her mother by wanting to take part in beauty pageants and then so we see here kind of like the result of that um, and how you know maybe almost kind of through rebelling ended up in a situation where she was taking part in these pageants she really didn't want to take part in apparently the newspaper that they have with those headlines which some of them are actually kind of neat too like uh jesus jesus saves fair or something like that and yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, apparently if you newspaper article it's actually about a murder. Like they just yeah. they just slap what? the picture and the, and the thing on it and just used the, like another paper as a bag. And I was yeah, I like paused it and like I wonder what that says. And I'm reading like and I'm seeing like it's a case between the first degree or second degree murder. I'm like what? That is a thing that is common in films where they they show newspapers. It will just be random articles, sometimes random articles that just repeat the same thing over and over again, like with each paragraph, and it's just for the headlines, basically. When they show the inner beauty pageant, apparently the one, the girl who did win received it has a sash that says natural beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I like that, you know, um, Lindsay... It seems to kind of put Maybe's losses at these pageants down to, you know, Maybe's hair, uh, saying, I don't know where that hair of yours came from, uh, which to, to me is a knowing how the, the show plays out is actually probably a suggestion that um, Lindsay's real parents maybe had that type of hair because obviously it's not really a bluff, um kind of thing. Um, and then I like how Tobias, Tobias just wonders in saying shameless plugs of placentia. Um, <laughs> and he has, he's been, he's been going through this storyline of, um, you know, um, having hair plugs for this season, something that will kind of, uh, finish roughly the same time that the Rita storyline finishes. And then for the rest of the season, he kind of has little bloody like marks on his head where they've been removed. Um, and I like here that he says they're not licensed, which means big savings. <laughs> now, I mean... I don't know if you have to be like a licensed thing to do hair plugs, but it just it just seems odd that Tobias is willing to go to like an unlicensed place for these hair plugs. And of course, here he kind of drops uh, drops a glass and he just goes, that's been happening a lot lately, uh, which of course <laughs> is a hint at where that story is going. And at this particular point, we then, this is where both of Maybe's parents decide to coach other people. Uh, and Lindsay, once again... Earlier in in like season two, she talked about Frank Wrench and she tried to come up with a uh, double entendre that didn't really work and that no one kind of understood. And here she comes up with this thing where she says, if, if I can get Hope this crown, maybe her father might just want to crown me. If you know what I mean. And um, Michael kind of goes, I'm guessing half sex, but that's meeting you more than halfway. Um, yeah, I'm just like the only thing I can think of besides a crown is like crowning teeth or Maybe there was like a, a fight fighting term called involving crown. Yeah, I don't, it's <laughs> it's weird, and of course, once Job enters, um, we will it will get even weirder. Um, <laughs> and I, I like how Tobias says, you know, uh, maybe if he can coach a certain young lady to victory, he'll win back the respect of his wife. Um, this is after you know uh, Lindsay has gone off to coach Hope. 
And maybe, of course, at this point, he's like, you can't make me do it. And he says, Tobias and Anne, which, yeah. you know, because he wants to show a little TNA. And it's that's such an odd combination. Um, <laughs> and, and, of course, um, you know, Tobias says here that... She's a girl. I need to teach her how to be a woman. Within her lies a queen. Let me out that queen. <laughs> Of course, Michael says. Yeah, I think just did. <laughs> and I like when Job arrives here, he offers to help clean something up, and then he just puts the, the brush to one side and keeps walking. He, he tosses it into the room and apparently breaks the bulb. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just makes it worse. Yeah. You know, like Job does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then this exchange here is priceless where he says a young neighborhood tough by the name of Steve Holt <laughs> is going to be here any minute. Uh, I got to start calling people that. That's amazing. A young ne- and he says, of course, your son. And he's like, according to him. And Michael goes, and a DNA test. <laughs> and I love Job's line. Yes. I heard the jury's still out on science. Oh, I will say that if I don't agree with something. Uh, jury's still out on science. <laughs> Are you sure? And, and this is where Job reveals that he lies to George Michael all the time, and he expects Michael to do the same for uh, Steve Holt. It's uh, common courtesy. Job, yeah, and Job lays out what will happen at the, uh, which which will actually be part of a storyline that he's only hinted at for the rest of the season until the the last mm-hmm. episode, where he says that the first place chick is hot, uh, but doesn't date magicians. Second place is someone weird, like a Chinese girl or geologist. I like those choices. God. I like those the choices. Worst. Uh, and then third place is super plain, but has low self-esteem. And then he says, So I step in and uh, lay her crown upon my sweet head. To which Michael is like, Have I missed this euphemism? Um, Maybe he did. Maybe it was one of those family meetings no one invites him to, the same way they all have these chicken dances. And he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Of course, Steve Holt's uh, kind of downfall is the fact that he always announces himself before he arrives anywhere. (laughs) Steve Holt! Yeah. And uh, this is where Steve Holt realizes, you know, that Job is going to be hiding from him. Um, And Michael actually tells him, you've got to stop saying your name all the time. Uh, and we find out that he was trying to get um, uh, Job to take part in the father-son triathlon. Um, and instead, you know, Michael, he's saying that it's a tough race. Steve Holt says, only for a wimp, a wuss, a pussy. And of course, the narrator says, Steve didn't mean pussycat. <laughs> and this is where he invites him to take part in the triathlon, which, you know... I feel like, you know, this this Steve Holt story here, because obviously for, for kind of the first part of this season, there's a lot of stuff about Job and Steve Holt. And it's, you know, it's a kind of funny storyline, but, you know, I feel like Job keeps abandoning Steve Holt, and that's really not, like, nice. And Steve Holt seems like quite a nice kid. And so I think here when, you know, they decide to do it, and, of course, Steve Holt yells, Uncle Mike! Steve Holt! <laughs> and then when Michael changes it to Uncle Mike, Steve Holt changes back to Steve Holt. Uncle Mike! <laughs> and I, I just, I like... I, I just need you both to know that every time you say Steve Holt's name, I'm doing the arm gesture. So. <laughs> <laughs> My arms are getting tired. <laughs> but I just, I like, I like the story between the two of them, you know, the fact that, you know, later on Buster will say, hey, possible nephew. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and I think I think just between Steve and, and Michael, it's just a nice it's just nice to see them kind of like the training stuff is funny, but it's also just quite touching that that Michael is willing to kind of bring Steve into the family, whereas Job just keeps running away from him and hiding. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and this is this is where Job decides for some reason to steal part of. Uh, the bicycle and put it in Michael's bed as if it were a horse's head. <laughs> such a weird joke. He stole his son, so he, that... he stole. I guess he he was planning on stealing the whole bike as a placeholder, and just as ang- he got angrier, he decided to send him a message. <laughs> God, just that whole scene with him standing outside the door, and when he menacingly says the word placeholder <laughs> and it fogs up the glass, <laughs> it's just visual like genius. <laughs> Will Arnett's face is just so menacing, and he's just like, as a placeholder. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's 
one of the great things about Arrested Development, they just say the stupidest things, but they mean them very sincerely. And of course, you know, Michael decides to kind of train with uh, Steve Holt and he, he decides to call Rita and he's out of breath. And <laughs> like how, as he realizes this, he's like, I can't believe I chose this moment to call you. Uh, like realizing his mistake and at the at the church and state fair um uh, uh, you know maybe in roles but this time she takes back on the pers- the personification of of Shirley um this time she she changes she changes her surname to Wolfbeak because we see Jamie Kennedy spending $10,000 on um, Nicole Kidman's nose from the hours. I didn't notice, but apparently the the X that green X that the, shows up in that cutscene has something to do with yeah. what was it? Jimmy Kennedy's the, X experiment. 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 Yeah. Because I never, I never actually saw that show, so I didn't know. That's what <laughs> I didn't know that's what this is. This is like a a really 2005 <laughs> joke. Is is Jamie Kennedy getting the X? Yeah, I, that was when there was just a bunch of prank shows on TV. Yeah. Like, yeah. why are we so fascinated with that? <laughs> Jamie Ken- Jamie Kennedy was like the down market version. Upscales like Ashton Kutcher pranking all of his rich friends. I think Jamie Kennedy just pranked like regular people, which yeah. seems meaner. And he, and he always kind of like dressed up in these improbable disguises as if anyone would recognize <laughs> yeah. Jamie Kennedy. He could have just walked on as Jamie Kennedy. It wouldn't have oh. been no problem. And I like that that um, as Shirley Wolfbeak, um, she uses the Virginia Wolf spelling of wolf. Um, <laughs> to, as a as a shout out to the hours and you know uh, <laughs> I, I like that uh you know lucille is trying to get uh, buster out of the army uh bob loblaw and larry middleman are at the apartment um we'll find out in a little bit that Matt larry doesn't really need to be there but um <laughs> and you know uh, lucille says you know he's lost a hand if he loses a leg how will we ever get him out of the apartment um, which suggests that Lucille has some plans to finally cut the the apron strings, um, and Bob explains that the army has a one in one out program, um, and you know of course um, you know Buster has for this season he's had a hand actually rather than just the hook, uh, but we find out that he's lost one in the prize hole. <laughs> well, yeah, well actually yes. because when he when he says there goes number three. Um, he's actually talking about the fact that he's lost two hands along with losing his real oh. hand. So that's only the second one that he's lost in the... Yeah, I just saw a video of Lin-Manuel Miranda on Ellen, and he can play that game so well. Buster really should have contacted him. <laughs> well, the last time Buster played it, which was in Afternoon Delight last year, he won a yeah. lot of stuff. You know, he won a seal and he uh, he won lots of other toys. He He's actually really he's good at it. For marksmanship. I yeah. Think. He's not exactly playing the game so much as he's trying to reach up in there. So maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I yeah. think he's won something. He can't beat the system. He's won something and he's trying to get it out, but he keeps losing his hand. I, I like how Michael ha- basically hasn't been told about the meeting that's going on. Uh, and, <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Bob Loblo is trying to get him to volunteer for something. Um, and I like how Larry is like um, conveying, you know, George Senior's thoughts. He says, "I'll do anything to get out of this apartment." And Lucille says, "You'll do anything to get out of in this apartment." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like how Larry goes, "You're drunk," which of course is something that George Senior has yelled himself at Lucille on a number of occasions. <laughs> yeah. And I like how Michael immediately realizes why is the surrogate in here when they're at the apartment? Um, <laughs> and as he goes to go to the bedroom, Larry just keeps saying, don't come in here, don't come in here. And once he gets in, we see that Larry just says, I said not to come in here, which doesn't make any sense because the person he's addressing that to isn't even in the room anymore. Um, and we find out that there's a startled straight program which obviously itself is a play on scared straight which because of the church and state fair there are two tents that are doing startled straight for slightly different reasons Um, and this is where Buster sees the words at risk male youth and realises that it spells army Um, and the narrator tells us he's going to go to a a recruiting pool that the government had been fishing in for years. Oh, God. 
Which is, that is quite, considering that this is like, you know, a comedy show, that is quite a sharp line. Uh, particularly given the, the time the US was involved in two wars. Um, yeah. And was rapidly kind of running out of people to recruit, apparently, at the time. So I, I, I love that um, Michael tells his dad about the triathlon. And George Sr., you know, starts talking about how hard it is and you, people lose control of bodily function. We see a quick clip of uh, Chris Legg kind of just stand. I like, I like how he's just standing there and he, he can't seem to move. He's just kind of wobbling. <laughs> and then, you know, he, he sees, he, he says, didn't you ever see that video? It's like your mother on New Year's <laughs> Eve. And then we see a side-by-side comparison with Lucille falling faster. And I, I like how when Judge kind of shouts, he's like, you're not even in shape. You're going to fall apart in front of everybody. And Michael goes, you're kind of <laughs> scaring me, Dad. And then George just goes, you see? Perfect for this startled straight thing. And I like that he was just kind of trying to prove that he could do it and just using Michael as like a guinea pig. And, and I thought that was quite funny. Uh, and now we get to see Anne's <laughs> talent at the talent portion of the pageant is going to be... Um, <laughs> I like how Tobias describes it as we need something that will make you look small and pretty in comparison. <laughs> and they land oh. on a camel. Um <laughs> Uh, and George Michael says that she has a lovely singing voice. Uh, and the weird thing is, when we saw um, Anne uh, in Afternoon Delight at the mass, she was singing this like really weird kind of like German hymn in like a, a very low <laughs> voice, and it was it was kind of odd. But it, it does seem later in the episode that uh, May Whitman does actually have quite a good voice. Uh, so obviously that she's got some range. Yeah, so they they're kind of leaning on it there. But yeah, it's odd because I thought that the joke was going to be that she's going to sing in like a low voice again. So I was kind of disappointed that she sang it in the correct register. And I like I like how Tobias suggests googling some disco songs with the word hump in them. <laughs> <laughs> that won't end poorly. I, I, I love the scene, like the exchange that comes up when George Michael says like that might not be a good idea. Like he <laughs> and Tobias is like it's like well he might be afraid of sex but we aren't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's like trying to defend himself. And he's he's like, well, then have sex with her right here, right now. Get in there. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, God. And Anne just turns and looks at him like, yes, well. (laughs) Yeah. As if up until this point, she's always talked about how they're saving herself. But, like, it seems like she'd be willing to do it just to prove a point at this this particular time. (laughs) Uh, And I like how Tobias says, You need to decide whether you want a man or a boy. I know how I'd answer. Um... (laughs) God damn it, Tobias. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Darren, is this before or after Michael has him record himself? I can't remember. This is a long time after. This is a long time after. Oh, that was God. a season two episode. So. <laughs> well, he should realize what he's doing. Lessons. Yeah. Uh, and I love the training montage with Steve Holt, mainly because it brings us the first occurrence of the song Balls in the Air. Um, <laughs> I was listening to this and I was like... Wow, I do not remember the lyrics when I first heard this. No, you don't. I mean, they play it over the end titles. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I might finish this episode by having those th- th- it play over the end titles because... Oh my God, please do. Yeah, because I just love that song so much. Uh, but I also I also love Steve Holt's kind of um, uh, his co- he's like his coaching speech. Yeah, yeah. where he says, "Don't ask, can I? Ask, I can." Which is not a question. <laughs> Control your bladder when you're dead. <laughs> like no blood, no oil. No blood, no oil. I think is a is a a reference to um, the Iraq War as well, which is just thrown in. Yeah, there. no blood for oil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, I've heard this phrase, so I'm just gonna use it <laughs> somehow. And of course, there is no I in win. I find it. I find it. I find it interesting as well that when he says no blood, no oil, of course, when we see the handlebars in the bed. They have yeah. they have oil where you know like the blood would come from a, a bloody head. So oh my god, I didn't even yeah. connect that. That's great. Yeah, uh, this is skipping ahead. When when they get to that scene, he's just in a lot of pain from <laughs> exercising. So so you know like it's one of those things where you like maybe maybe he was bleeding out because of something he did. And he sees oil and he's like, what? Uh, and his uh, there's no eye in win. Of course, made me think of there's no eye in Timosil. At least not, not where, where you, you think. think. Yeah. Um, and I, I like how, you know, George Michael has essentially been taken off Anne's team, 
Um, and uh, he suggests, you know, going to the fair, uh, you know, to do some man stuff. And Michael says mm-hmm. he's already signed up with Steve, uh, you know, because he was older and more manly, which is, against once again, a hint that maybe Steve Holt has been in school for far too many years. <laughs> and I like how Michael says, Darn that Annabelle, she ruins everything. Uh, and then that is when Michael wakes up to, to to discover Joe's revenge. And I like how we cut to we cut to the shot of the house, and we just hear Michael say, "Hey, does anyone know why my handlebars are in my bed?" Um, <laughs> Once we get to the church and state fair, I think it's interesting that I mean, I I've never really been able to kind of hear the lyrics to Hope's song, but apparently they are, uh, "The Lord has a place, but my body wants to go all state on you." Uh, which is such oh, a, dear. which is a song <laughs> written by Lindsay, uh, kind of to flirt with her father. So it's kind of like odd that she's singing like that. And I, I, I like that the the Reverend hosting the event also refers to Anne as Annabelle. <laughs> so I don't know how that's happened, but somehow it's ended up getting there. I was rewatching this on Netflix just 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 to remind myself, and apparently. At one point, the Netflix lyrics actually, instead of saying Allstate, they say Love Stain. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> that's an unfortunate. <laughs> no, the DVD things don't actually put the words to the song. They're just like singing, yeah. singing in this thing. The, there's a, a joke here, uh, you know, obviously Arrested Development, with the whole pussy and fag thing in this episode, they're, they're kind of centering themselves. But here, Reverend Bob Patterson, when introducing Annabelle Veal, he says that she's going to sing We Three Kings with a camel toe. <laughs> which is just an odd joke. I, like, I'm not quite sure why they made that joke, but they did. And then... And, like, everyone claps. Yeah. Like, they're like... They're like... <laughs> and I don't know why. She, she can't even get the camel to come into the tent. She's just yeah. pulling on it and singing <laughs> We Three Kings. I like how Michael arrives, like, sore from his training, and Steve Holt decides to give him some... Oxy incontinent, and the narrator doesn't correct him. He just says Steve didn't have that quite right. Uh, (laughs) I mean, and I love I love his reasoning too. Like his 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 uh, coach told him they're full of oxygen and it helps with your Mm -hmm. incontinence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can control your bladder when you're dead, you guys. Like, come on. We see the like the questioning um, of the contestants. Uh, and I like how the Pope impersonator introduces himself as Pope impersonator church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like someone's going to be like, oh, the real Pope? (laughs) You know, he asks about, he asks maybe about, you know, God. When she says that he's had as much influence as Big Bird and the Keebler elves, he just goes, well, my faith would have been shaken if he'd taken my legs too. And everyone applauds (laughs) and maybe can't understand why she just can't get kicked out of this pageant. Uh, and I like um, Job's uh, like question where he just goes, Job Luth state, I was betrayed by my brother Michael. And his voice kind of breaks as he's saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just goes, Who's your favorite family member and why? <laughs> Uh, and yeah, the total difference in tone too. It's like he re- he remembered where he was. He's like, oh, uh, <laughs> gotta save this. Uh, and I love how maybe says, you know, her shallow materialistic mother, and Joe just goes, I think we all feel about like that way about our mothers, and we all have legs. And it's just his <laughs> emphasis on that last bit, which is really funny. And they cut to Lindsay, and she's like nodding along, like yes. <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> I do have legs. <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, George Sr. and Buster are both at the different startled straight tents. Um, <laughs> George Sr. ends up in the wrong one. And of course, he starts trying to scare some young men uh, into a heterosexual lifestyle uh, where he starts <laughs> describing, you know, some guy reaching around in the middle of the night, start messing with your junk. Um, and, you know... It, 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 Everybody acts like it's no big deal, um, and, and I like how the, the like the guys in the audience are getting more excited about this rather than being startled. Um, yeah, one of the people. It's, I'm glad it's in this transcript because it's kind of faint, but just someone goes, "Is there a cover charge?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nonchalant. Yeah, like where where is this place? This magical land. <laughs> 
Uh, and the, the pageant ends up with fine, down to the final three where we have, the, as the moderator says, the beautiful Hope Lovelaw, uh, the stalwart Annabelle Veal, or the justifiably be- bitter Shirley Wolfbeak, which is... <laughs> Like, uh, that's my new personal modifier. Yeah, just it, I think it's funny that it's like he's tipping the scales basically in those yeah. descriptions. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, maybe then decides to stand up and says that either you know Anne or or um, Hope deserve to win. This is where the church part of the fair decides that the Lord has blessed her. <laughs> it's a miracle. And yeah. only when she's standing do Lindsay and Tobias recognize that this is made. <laughs> I love Tobias. It's like, it's like, that's where I know her from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Joe realizes it too at, at a moment because if he's, if, when it cuts to him, he like, he's just has his head in center. He's like, let us pray. Yeah. <laughs> Which suggests that he was maybe thinking she was going to be third place, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and obviously we know what happens with third place. Of course, when we get back to Michael, he, the, you know, the, the Oxycontin is starting to have an effect on him. Um, <laughs> and we find out that the triathlon course is several tricycles, five inflatable pools, and fathers and sons being manacled together. Um, <laughs> and I like how Steve Holt says, don't let it psych you out. <laughs> And how they change it each year so you can't replicate it on your lawn, uh, which is such a hard. I don't know. It's just such a such a. I like how Steve Holt's kind of still got this childlike innocence about him, um, and, and obviously he kind of you know Michael wonders why they train so hard, and Steve basically just kind of wanted to hang out with him, and yeah, and, and which you know I find to be quite sweet. And then obviously you know as Steve goes to leave, Michael says you're not going anywhere. It's not because he kind of wants to do it with him. It's just because they've been chained together. <laughs> <laughs> and so of it's course, very literal. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and so Steve Holt says, "Let's win this thing." While Michael says, uh, "What the hell?" And then Steve Holt goes, "Let's win what this thing." What the hell? <laughs> and I, I like that they basically do come in first. They do the course really quickly and then just going in first. So all the training kind of pays off, basically. They were against a lot of people who were much younger than them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, this, at this point, George Michael congratulates Veal on her third place finish. Um, and that, if you've, if you, if you've like watching the series through the first time. It's just a mere hint, but obviously this kind of fills in what happens between Job and, and Anne later on in the series. And I like how George Michael says she's the first camel act to ever crack the top ten. <laughs> Which is <laughs> such a... Where did he get this fat? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that, like, it seems that as well that Tobias thinks of it being a camel act, like, out of nowhere. Then he, we find out later on they're, like, a common thing, basically. Um, I guess that's why that camel just didn't want to go in there. He'd had enough yeah, of this. He knows. Like, he knows no what's more going on. No more V3 kings. Yeah. <laughs> when you see uh, George Michael walk up to Anne in the background, you can see the Pope impersonator chugging a beer, <laughs> like knocking, <laughs> knocking oh. back a beer, uh, just like the real Pope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and at this particular point, you know, George Michael thinks that. Yeah, he was worried because he thinks that Anne might have outgrown him. And I like how Anne's like... Outgrown you. That is the term I've been looking for. (laughs) It's such a sad moment, but such a good... Like comedic, you know, comedic. Uh, and the, oh yeah, like here's the knife. Just go ahead, stab it right on in there. <laughs> the narrator tells us Job was right about what happens to third place contestants, which is followed by Anne saying, "I met a man." If you're rewatching the, the episodes, you realise that that there is a very big clue. At this particular point, you know, George Michael decides that, um, you know, he probably should go and join the army, which is such an odd, like just because he's broken up with <laughs> Anne, that's that's his kind of first thought. Um, and you know, actually has two choices between like uh, God welcomes you and join the army. <laughs> yeah. One's giving you free sports bottles, and the other's giving you free hats. And they both <laughs> they both end up in the same place as yeah. well. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think that's a particularly sly sort of observation too that links back to the whole um, no blood for oil uh, thing earlier. Is that a lot of, especially in America and like the rural states, it tends to be heavily Christian and like very heavily, you know, religious. And that also is where a lot of our army pool comes from. 
And yeah. so for the two to sort of funnel into each other, and it's like the perfect joining of church <laughs> and state, both at this fair and in this tent, I thought was really clever and very, very funny. <laughs> and I like as well that when he walks in, the kid who walks in next to him through the, the church entrance has like this big like teddy on his back for some reason. It's such <laughs> yeah. a weird visual. Yeah, like some kind of frog stuffed animal. Yeah, I think maybe he's been like maybe on one of those shooting galleries, and maybe that's how he's won that, and that's probably mm-hmm. why he's decided to go into the army. Um, yeah. <laughs> of course, the effect of the OxyContin has hit Michael, and Steve tells him it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> 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 and this is where Buster says, "Hey, possible nephew," uh, and he's there to let Michael know that uh, that his son is signing up for the army. Um, and Buster realizes that if he gets his name on the form, then he can get out of the army. <laughs> so he's not going to go and stop. Yeah. George, he's not going to go and stop George Michael. He's just going to use his name instead. He tells him that he's he's signing up for the army. He's like, "You signed him up." He's like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I, I would not be surprised if there really was a one in one out policy. Like, well, if you just switch with a friend, that's fine with us. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's. Com- completely true how it was but yeah the 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 kind of getting out of of the like the army early you could do that if if you could find someone to finish your time um but, oh my god i mean it wasn't kind of one in one out strictly speaking it it was just making <laughs> sure that there was no um i can't remember what it's called now the the uh, people going in and out of the army it's like purse tempo or something like that um and it, it seems it seems too much like tagging in and out of like a basketball game. Like, oh no, that yeah. one's tired. Yeah, you guys switch a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem right. <laughs> uh, and Rita, of course, she emerges from the men's slash disabled toilets. Yeah. <laughs> One more hint uh, towards you know uh, her her actual uh, secret that's being hidden. Uh, yeah. Given given various laws that have been passed in American states, has a slightly different connotation. Um, and I like how Rita only only ever seems to manage to get to Michael when he's out of breath or, you know, he calls <laughs> when he's out of breath and here she gets to him as the OxyContin is basically making him dizzy <laughs> and he's got to get to Michael, uh, he, sorry, he's got to get to George Michael and, you know, he tells her he finished in first place and then Steve Holt lifts Uncle Mike on his shoulders and I can, you know, Michael kind of doesn't want to be lifted up because he doesn't want to seem kind of pathetic. Uh, so it's it's just really funny that he, Steve Holt just kind of holds him up and just starts running away with him, and Michael's just kind of <laughs> looking at Rita, trying to look less pathetic. Uh, and then obviously we find out that that George Senior has been successful in only startling himself. <laughs> Where he's, descri- he's describing prison, talking about you know how they have to lift weights and fold laundry, and then he says, and get thrown in a cage with a bunch of sweaty men. <laughs> Um, and then he makes a choice of course between a Humvee or a Popemobile to make his uh, escape and so he decides to go for the bulletproof one and then we see him driving away of course in the Popemobile Uh, and during the you know during this time there was that whole thing about Humvees not having the correct armor yes yeah Uh, and I completely forgot about that until like I was looking up you know some info about the episode like oh yeah, yeah so I now mean, now it makes much more sense why he he thought pope mobile would be more bulletproof than humvee yeah. yeah i remember communities literally fundraising to buy armor to put on humvees that like uh national guardsmen or just local soldiers were for their units and that you know even as like i was a teenager when the iraq war started and it was just insane to me. It's like, isn't that what the army is supposed to do? Well, to sort of provide the most basic <laughs> things. Yeah, I think I think the weird thing, of course, is like you know, Humvee is is uh, uh, short. I mean, not short for, but it's it's a way of saying high mobility, multi-purpose wheeled vehicle. Which I don't know why the wheeled part needs to be in there. You know, which is HMM VW. Now. Uh, you know, the whole point of them is, as you say, they are like they bought for the military, um, and they're basically they're like a specific version of you know uh, a jeep uh, that is is made for the army. So the idea that they wouldn't have enough kind of um, armor on them does seem kind of like missing the point of why uh, they've been yeah. bought. Um, but the weird thing is. 
you, you know, in 2004, when they when the army started ordering a lot more of them, they were essentially, up until that point, they hadn't needed to be armoured. They were just there to transport people. And it's only really when they started using them in Iraq, in the, the second Iraq war, um, that they, they started armouring them up. Um, and yeah. obviously when they weren't heavily armoured enough, then obviously that became an issue. Um, and, and since, since you know, the end of the Iraq war, they have essentially been uh, kind of replaced by a different vehicle. And obviously everyone now knows that, you know, Humvees, they're kind of, I would say they're better known now for the, uh, the H2, uh, which is like the, the version that kind of like, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger used to drive and, <laughs> and it is is well known for I guess the Simpsons parody as the uh, Canyonero, uh, <laughs> and that's that's what I think of whenever I think of like Humvees. It is just like the, the kind of the, these gigantic vehicles that kind of particularly they were known for rolling because they they weren't yeah. really designed to be on the road at, at, at high speeds. They were just designed to go in straight lines. Basically, when the army used them, they just used them to go from one point to another. And they never really use them to kind of take corners and stuff. Uh, so yeah, it, it is funny that 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 you know this is a, kind of one of a few pointed commentaries about the military that Arrested Development puts into this particular episode. <laughs> yes. uh, of course, you know we see that George Michael as well. His recruitment into the army relies on him hanging motionless from monkey bars. Um, <laughs> so his favourite kind of sporting activity is actually the one that will get him into the army. Um, and I, I like as well, you know, that um, George Michael here says that he's, he's you know, becoming a man and isn't that what everyone wants. Um, and this is, this is where, you know, Job turns up and Michael asks him to get them out of the chains and so he starts trying to throw up a key. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and like at one point, like Michael's like, he's a magician. Like that just explains it all. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I like as well that George Michael seems to have fallen for the army spiel where he says it's like a family, but it's also an army of one. Uh, and it's no place for wimps. Michael kind of manages to kind of persuade him not to sign up. Uh, and the sergeant there says he was so close to getting out. <laughs> Michael says, um, "Like we're your family, and I'm a wimp because if you went, I couldn't take you going to the going to the army." And immediately, Job's like, "That made it like he like that that Corey line is what got him to throw off the key." Uh, <laughs> George Michael goes to get one of the corn dog crosses, uh, and Michael says, "With all the crucifixings." Uh, which I, which is <laughs> so terrible. This has to be a real thing. It's so bad. It crucifixing. Well, here's the thing. I'm... There's an episode of The Simpsons where they have um, a, a church gathering and they have ice cream that um, Ned says you can have with all the crucifixings. So I don't know if this is just like a, a Simpsons reference that they're slipping in here. Uh, oh but yeah, I could. I mean, I just want two corn dogs. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what a corn dog cross would look like. Is it just like, I don't know. I don't. I want think, to think it's maybe two hot dogs. Yeah, like just stabbed together over. in a cross shape, yeah. and then you fry it. So it's just more <laughs> corn dog for your dollar. Well, and I'm down say, with that. Either that, or it's a corn dog, and they stick two like pigs in a blanket on the side. <gasps> <laughs> I haven't eaten dinner yet. I don't know if that's apparent. <laughs> uh, of course, this is where Rita turns up, and you know asks. If if George Michael was was you know his son, and he says it's the most important person in the world to me, uh, to which Rita says you're quite the man, Michael, uh, and Michael says do you think so? And she says yes. You're complete and utter. And I love how the narrator goes. <laughs> I can't believe we had to bleep that. It would have been such a nice moment. <laughs> which I like the kind of meta commentary there uh, at the end. Uh, and that's kind of where the episode ends. And then we get the on the next where uh, Buster signs Steve Holt up for the army. This is something that in season four is never actually paid off. Um, but I would have loved if they'd have called back to it in season four, but they don't. Uh, and obviously Steve Holt says, I don't go in for another two years. And I like how Job says, well, as your father, can I sign something? <laughs> and then he gets hit with a Jamie Kennedy X. Uh, and then George Sr. finds out that a fake Pokemobile 
can't stop real bullets. And we see the, the glass being broken as, as people shoot at, at George Sr. And George finishes the episode saying, thank God I wasn't in the Humvee. Uh, you know what? It strikes me now. Like, why were they shooting at him? Should I don't know. at the tires? I don't know. It's odd. <laughs> Uh, My guess is that they thought it was a real mobile too, and they were just trying trying to <laughs> warn him. And so they were uh, like, "Well, we'll shoot, we'll shoot the bulletproof glass." Yeah, something that I haven't pointed out so far is that Hope Lovelaw is played by uh, Natalia Ramos, uh, who is best known for appearing in Bratz, uh, uh, the movie, as Yasmin, uh, which th- this is actually her acting debut, basically. Um, this is the first thing she ever appeared in, singing a very inappropriate song at her pretend father. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. If you start out in Arrested Development, you could end up in, um, I, just, I don't know, <laughs> a weird movie made about <laughs> a like... house favorite. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else that you think needs to be uh, discussed about this episode? There is a show called State of Grace that was on... Uh, I think a few years before this that had uh, Mae Whitman and oh, I just totally blinked on her name the girl who plays uh, maybe Alia Shawkat yeah they were on a show together and Alia Shawkat plays like this young Jewish girl set, it's set in North Carolina and Mae Whitman comes in as like this bright little like Protestant socialite or whatever from Chicago who moves into town and it's all about them becoming friends and I loved it so much but the theme song was Do You Believe in Magic, which I now think to be a secret joke <laughs> reference that they've woven into the time stream. <laughs> yeah. But if you're interested in young children growing up together, it was sort of like a Wonder Years style thing where they were looking back over their lives. Very cute, and I really recommend it. Yeah, and um, Francis McDormand was the narrator of Alia Shawkat when she was grown up. Um, there we go. So, you know, yeah, it's actually it's funny because um, do you believe in magic? These days, I always think of the um, the like jazz version that they do in uh, American Pie when they do like the the <laughs> jazz choir thing, and Chris Klein just keeps like uh, improving stuff and adding to it, and it's not really that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, I I haven't mentioned that before because I have you know obviously I had no idea about the show. It was on, like, you know, 15 yeah, years ago. it was on ago. ABC Family or something. Uh, it was actually on Fox Family. So it was in, it was what? within, yeah, it was within the uh, the Fox. Uh, I, 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 um, I think it was also, like, it was made by ABC Family. But, it, it, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think anything that's on any of the family channels, it doesn't really matter, does it, which channel it was originally yeah, on? Yeah, it's, some, it's of, some sort of family. Yeah, yeah. they're all, no, they're all kind of the same It's one big thing. family, but it's an army of one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything else you feel we need to discuss, Jordan? The, the first couple of episodes of the, of the third season, they, they do this James Bond parody uh, with yeah. the titles. Like, yeah. this one's... This one's not not a pussy, like a callback to Octopussy, <laughs> and and like they they do that that whole uh, trying to make you know is 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 Rita and, and and Trevor like spies or or what's what's going on? And I just thought it was kind of funny, like how you know they they I think they even play the the Mister F uh, sting. But if there's nothing else to to kind of talk about in this episode, I'll say that you know. Uh, join me for uh, you know episode five, season three, uh, which you know that's what we'll be we'll be doing next, uh, and that is Mr. F. My guests will be Lindsay Busco and Mark Donovan, um, and yeah, they do do the um, on at the end of this. They 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 I don't think they do it at the end of this one, but they did do it at the end of British Eyes Only and Forget Me Now, where it says Michael Bluth will return in. And so for yeah. so for forget me now they did say <laughs> they did say that Michael Bluth will return in Not a Pussy. So they they I don't think they finished this they don't finish this this episode with that joke because um you know I I, I don't I don't think it's it kind of works because obviously Mr. F is yeah. it, it, you know it, it's a specific joke uh, that doesn't really 
uh, doesn't really work the same way that Not A Pussy Or Forget Me Now does. I think we've covered this everything, so um, we're going to go to plugs. Uh, Jordan, is there anything that you want to plug? I've been co-hosting with uh, you know some really great guys, uh, Transformers Beast Wars podcast, uh, rewatch Ooh. podcast called called War and Beast. And, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've already almost, we're about like two-thirds of the way through the first season, so... You know, it's 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 been a fun ride. Okay, well, and Amber, do you have anything you wish to plug? Uh, this is the only podcast that I'm involved in currently, so you can find me on Twitter at ambrrr, where I'll be tweeting for my underground bunker in the for the <laughs> upcoming years, or uh, on Instagram at that inner glow, where I'll be posting pictures of puppies to try to cheer myself up for like you know <laughs> the foreseeable future. <laughs> okay, well, thanks to both of you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, well, Darren. Thanks for inviting us. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye. Bye. How much can you do?